0: Welcome to Power Players by Orgis, critical thinking to deliver the promise of clean energy. This program brings you leading voices in solar and energy storage and sectors impacting renewables, exploring challenges and solutions for industry growth, the true cost of operating and maintaining power plants, and system asset management considerations. My name is Josh Corbett. I welcome you to this episode hosted by Michael Lyman, Managing Director of Orgis Services. Hello, this is Mike Iman, your host for Power Players, uh, where we deal with really the nettlesome problems in our industry. Today, we have uh jean Davignon, Vice President for Workforce Development for Interstate Renewable Energy Council. Uh, Lor jean has served in various capacities with IREC since 2010. Uh, today, as Vice President, she manages oversight strategic direction for the workforce program itself. She also leads IREC standards development and revision activities. She served as a principal investigator for federally funded training and certification efforts and is a national thought leader on clean energy workforce issues. She leads a team that develops unique job-focused online training and pioneered the use of micro-credentials to provide clean energy add-on skills for allied professionals. Her experience spans education and nonprofit management, first in higher education, and then as an association executive for the residential building supply industry. She resides today in upstate New York, where she, where she powers her home through one of the first community solar projects in the state. Lorjon, thank you for being with us today. It's pretty cool that you you uh, you power your home with one of the first community solar projects. Tell us a little bit about IREC and yourself.
1: Oh, thanks, Michael, and thanks to you and your team for this great opportunity. Um, certainly workforce development has been something that's uh, top of mind for many, and happy to have an opportunity to have this conversation today. So, as you so kindly shared, I lead workforce strategies specifically in programs for Interstate Renewable Energy Council, or IREC, it's quite a mouthful. We're a national, nonpartisan, and independent nonprofit. We work toward a 100% clean energy future that's reliable, resilient, and equitable. We work on strategies to help states, municipalities, companies, utilities, and others reach bold clean energy goals by developing robust training to jobs pipelines. We design and deploy training focused on ensuring code officials, firefighters, building owners and managers and other audiences have the clean energy skills that they need to support industry growth. We are the sole credentialing body for clean energy training providers and we're an American national standards developer. So, Michael, I come from a family of teachers and environmentalists, a double whammy. I think in the 70s, we were like one of the first families I knew of recycling and composting. So it makes sense that I've spent literally my entire career in workforce development the past decade in clean energy. Really excited for this conversation today. Back to you.
0: Yeah, look, I think this is a great conversation. We're really happy to have you. You know, when you're in an industry that's growing as fast as renewables is today, particularly solar and and energy storage, and, and when we face the sort of challenges we have and the ramp in the future that's that's being, you know, really pushed by the current administration, as well as just the, the global need for power, right, that that really workforce development and having good trained people when you're seeing growth rates like this is really, really difficult. It's a challenge that we all face in the industry, and it affects everyone across the board. So, you know, how does, you know, this is sort of where you and IREC live, you know, day to day. The rest of us you know you know sort of deal with it as we as we're looking for people but you know how do you guys see the workforce opportunities in the industry sort of the challenges
1: sure thanks michael so you know we really see a wonderful opportunity here first of all um really want to start this on the positive note that it is we have an opportunity to really reshape how our industry and adjacent industries approach workforce development so it's not something we just think about before a ramp up right Uh Um, And we really see an opportunity to take a more strategic or long-game approach to this sort of planning. So with the advent of the American Jobs Plan, everyone's thinking about new approaches and partners. And we, IREC, really hope that this leads to, and we're frankly calling for, a de-siloing process, breaking down those barriers between clean energy and adjacent industries and seeing how workforce development can be approached holistically. So again, it's not just about one clean energy sector, it's not just about solar storage, wind, energy efficiency, or even just about clean energy. Our workforce development challenges are shared by many adjacent industries. So solutions can draw upon a much greater brain trust or pool of resources. That's the good news. So what we wanna really focus on um, to meet the coming challenge is duplicate or replicate the good practices and programs Um, both from within clean energy, but also to look to our partners outside clean energy for things that have worked. That's the first important piece. Also, we really wanna move the conversation beyond training to everything in the pipeline, which includes outreach about clean energy careers, support and wraparound services for folks like entry-level workers. Uh, We wanna look at new relationships with colleges and other training partners for those jobs that do still require a degree. And we want support for employers, especially those who are building diverse businesses with recruiting, developing and retaining skilled workers. We really wanna move beyond a transactional relationship between employers and training providers and other workforce partners. This is not easy, but it leads to a much richer collaboration and much more productive outcomes. So really, the approach IREC's taking, Mike, is speaking with everyone. We're talking to government at all levels, industry, training providers, and others with the same message of what's needed on the policy and the program side nationally. But we're also calling for unprecedented mobilization and organization at the local and regional levels around meeting clean energy goals and the workforce measures needed to have the local workforce benefit. And I think that's where some of the organizations that you speak with will come in.
0: That to you, Michael. Got it. So that's a lot. Like you just <laughs> said a lot, right? That was a lot of stuff all at once. So let's see if we can wrap our arms and sort our heads around some pieces of it, right? So that people can go away with like, what do I do to go forward? You said de-siloing. Like, mm-hmm. What do you mean by that specifically?
1: So um, there's been a lot of, you know, IREC is approached by companies, organizations, industry folks, trade associations, you name it. Um, a lot of us have the same concerns. And what we don't necessarily want is every company or organization sitting there by themselves saying, Oh my goodness, I have this huge challenge coming my way. How am I going to meet this challenge? Um, I think it's a time that we can feel very comfortable saying, How are we going to meet this challenge? And I understand, um, you know, in the corporate world that, you know, there's stuff like competition, and you know, you might need to speak with those folks that are trying to take your business um, to, to coordinate here. But you know that's why things like trade associations exist, right? Um, there are certain common mutual inter- interests that if we all can focus on them together and kind of take the relevant pieces, and I don't expect an individual company to take on all the stuff that just rattled out of my mouth. This is a group effort. We need to lean on our partners. We need to lean on those who have similar challenges, even if it's sometimes an uncomfortable conversation. They could be competitors. They could be folks like uh, in organized labor where solar hasn't historically spoken with those folks a lot. We're going to have a lot of kind of because I like to say it odd bedfellows and new partners um, really to make this work, because a lot of the solutions are out there. There's no reason for someone to sit in an empty boardroom scratching their head.
0: Yeah. You know, I love these conversations across the country because you get people with different views and and even the the way they speak is different. So for me, they'll get the y'all. and from you, they'll get the all. And so <clears throat> I love I love these things. Anyway, so, how do you get past? Like when you say desiloing and you sort of talk about it that way, right? You're right. It does require us to work with people that we would view as competitors, right, to to sort of create some standards and some practices, particularly with when you talk about adjacent industries, because solar and, and renewables have been growing at such a rate that they've been producing more jobs than the rest of the power industry combined on an annualized basis for the last several years, really. And so inherently what that means is when we're engaging with adjacent industries, I think they'll rationally see it. As an attempt for us to to uh, you know pull their people right, which are still needed to, to fuel their industries no no pun intended. And so, how do you have those conversations when the conversation starts with "I'm here to take your people," or the conversation starts with "You're here to take my people"? Now, how do we talk? How do you do that?
1: yeah you touched on a couple areas um i'll start with um because i think we you know we think about adjacent industries we start with energy um i'm talking even beyond that but let's start with um you know industries that could potentially perceive us as poaching people let's start there um so i i think piece one there is you know certainly the trade associations and other organizations that are working with um, whether it be oil, gas, whatever these industries, um, you know, a lot of folks are asking about how do I connect to former military? Uh, Slightly different iteration of that uh, problem you mentioned. Um, I think the first place I would go for the adjacent industries is um, really considering direct partnerships with the trade associations and organized labor groups working with your subject audience, whether it be engineers or, you know, you guys know who you're looking to hire and who potentially would have a skill set that is a match with some tweaking for clean energy, right? Um, although the priority of these trade associations is not clean energy, they are acutely aware that pathways are needed for workers that may be displaced as uh, a result of what's coming down the pike. Um, we have a federal environment that is much more receptive to clean energy, so. You know, I come from the trade association world in in my past and the good organizations will want to partner with groups such as ours or organizations that have the potential to help them with this problem um, and find ways that that it can be a win, win, win a lot. You know, I'm very challenged by this conversation that more clean energy is a loss for oil and gas workers. I, I really have a huge issue with that. Um, these are people, these are individuals. Yes, we want them to continue to, we want them to continue to work and it's incumbent on, you know, government and organizations like IREC to ensure there are pathways. Um, but I think, you know, when we do reach across the aisle as it were to these industries, again, the problems are going to be more similar than not. And even if they're not like here, take our workers, you may find areas of collaboration that you never imagined that could be very rich and rewarding for both sides.
0: Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I, as a military veteran, I, I navigated from one of those adjacent industries, you you know, when I came from the military into renewables and, and it, it often seemed a bit like, you know, Leif Erickson, you know, coming across the North Atlantic with basically a very rough compass just and hoping he hits land. You know, you're sort of navigating, you know, in hopes that you're going to hit something without a lot of structure in place. And I, and I think organizations like IREC are helping to put structure in place, which is incredibly valuable. So, so how do but companies as a whole and you know like I can sort of help to navigate the military you know transition at times, but mm-hmm. even for me the the organizations that are involved in that change year to year. So is does you know and so if you're looking at oil and gas or you're looking at manufacturing or you're looking at you know the trades uh, like the electrical you know trades as an example, how do companies understanding that this is a changing, you know. Mm-hmm. Environment on an almost daily basis. How do companies find out and get connected with those organizations? Do they go through IREC? Do they do they reach out to someone like you? Like how do they do that?
1: You know, I think certainly the national organizations working clean energy, IREC, obviously your trade association association, SIA, um, you know, Energy Storage Association, there's others. Um, certainly those national groups can help. Um, I, I have like a stepped approach that I'm gonna suggest and I, I thought of this more, um, I, I think it's both for military and other transitioning workers. Um, the first piece and this is kind of these steps are helping to customize this depending on the organization because obviously you're talking with groups of, who are very large and multi uh, location and then there may still be organizations out there that have a smaller scope, right? So the first step for everyone, though, is really to prioritize where are your critical pain points? You, Michael, and I talked about this a little bit um, for your organization, but w- what are the occupations you're most worried about? Um, if you're a multi-location organization, what are the regions you're most concerned about? Um, you, you, know, you know where your business is coming from, who do you need to do the work and who do you not have, or who do you not have connections that will get you those people, right? So you really want to prioritize. Second, you want to take a targeted approach. You want to analyze or have someone analyze what skills for the priority occupations that you already identified overlap with the skills in the subject industry or audience you're going after, right? So whether it's military folks that were doing X, Y, Z, and probably Michael can speak to this better, whether it's oil and gas workers, either from the field or you know at the engineer level, or folks working for a utility in a more kind of traditional utility setting. So wh- where's the overlap? And you know, as you said, Michael, how, how can you how can you chart the course from what they're doing now to what they need to do? What are the train? What's the experience which we think they have already? But what are the tra- additional training needs and support that they need to get into that job? And location is really important. Um, we had a big move. Uh, During the last stimulus period, the era period, you know, everyone wanted to re-educate military members. You know, we wanted to pull people out of the places they were abroad, get them working on American soil. Um, And as it turned out, not everyone wanted to necessarily go where the solar jobs are. So, you know, you got to work in all these these factors. So we talked about step one, which was to prioritize. Step two was a targeted approach. Step three is really researching. Um, if you can't hook up with mm-hmm. one of these national organizations, look at who is out there already working with transitioning military and or oil and gas and other workers. It could be an established organization, a grant funded effort such as Solar Ready Bets, which is run by the Solar Foundation, um, which is part of IRAC. Um, However, understand, All of these organizations working with vets, transitional workers, whoever it is, they are going to be inundated just as we are with new business. So considering consider participating um, in existing initiatives. I already mentioned solar ready vets or forming your own consortium to the extent you can't lean on the trade association structure. Um, Do you have organizations or companies that either aren't your competitors or you work with closely that you might partner up with and just have more power to approach one of these organizations saying hey it's not just one organization it's not a one up i'm speaking to you as this group of orgs we've got jobs binging a binging a binging a in these places for these types of skill levels can you work with us to get these people into really good jobs
0: yeah, it's it's um, you know it's always a bit of a challenge, right? And as we move into new geographic areas, we have other challenges. So you you have some areas, particularly in the northeast, and also some of them on the west coast, where you've got sort of traditional union areas that where the IBEW is really strong. And, and I know that uh, there's always that friction, right? of whether or not you know the IBEW and and corporate's goals align enough whether whether we're going to be working together or whether there's going to be sort of a conflict. So do you have any suggestions on navigating, navigating that and, and working with the union so that, you know, because the structure with which they engage in the electrical, you know, traditional electrical world may or may not work for the way solar, like particularly operations, you know, works. So how do you engage to sort of solve that? Or, or is that a bridge too far?
1: Well, the first part is starting the conversation. Um, You know, I'm going to be very frank. I'm very familiar with IABW's curriculum um, because IREC used to accredit some of their locations for, um, you know, for instance, a solar installer, you know, the licensed electrician who's on site at a residential site, right? Um, You know, are there discussions at the national or local level somewhere where you're active about operations? I mean, this is a growing field, it's going to be much bigger by the time we come out the other end of this this uh, new stimulus. We think we hope um, again, you know, we're all kind of sitting in our silos, grinding about this mm-hmm. and thinking, you know, folks like IBW and other unions are as well. Um, the other comment I would make is is the union model, which is, you know, an apprenticeship model. Primarily, I think people think of that um, in addition to all the other support services they provide. That That's a pathway. It's it's a great pathway, and I think we do need to be speaking more with organized labor, but it's not a single answer, and there's workers, occupations, and people for whom that will never work. Um, so I think it's a piece of the puzzle, and certainly I, I can see I, I can, you, you've sparked something with this operations um, piece, uh, Michael, with the, you know thinking about how organized labor can contribute. I think stationary engineers are another um, that we don't often think about that we should. Um, and I could go on, but th- those are some initial thoughts,
0: yeah. So I hate to move on to another segment because we can talk forever just about just about bringing people on board because that's such a problem. But you know we talk a lot about jobs. And I think it's really important uh, to talk about careers. And, and there is a difference, right? You know, we focus. You know, at Orgis and at other places that I've been. And it's probably a part of my background as a military person. It's just the way I see the world. We all have our biases, right, from our backgrounds. And I see, you know, bringing people in to solar as a way to start a career because this is a growing field. I know that people can come here and they can they can work here and and promote and do better for thirty years. They can send their kids to school. They can plan for a retirement. They can, you know have that th- that dream, right? And th- this is a place that they can do it. But in order to achieve that, I have to have some way to not only bring them in and sort of level them, but also train, right? A train into some standards. And today, I think standards are, and you'll probably disagree with this as IREC, but I have a hard time finding standards that I can really apply where the training is already wrapped up. We're doing it, it's portable. Every company sort of looking at it the same way. You know, it's it's very there's still quite a lot of OJT, right? That that happens today uh, because because those curriculums are just not well established. I think in the residential side of the industry, there's quite a lot, especially on the installer side. You know, you talk about solar ready vets and hiring our heroes and those other organizations. And by the way, I didn't know that solar ready vets was connected to you guys. That's really good information, but but there's a lot of training on sort of a solar installer piece. But I'm looking at, that'll that give you a job for a month or six months or a year. What about that career where you're really progressing and you're moving to larger and larger facilities with deeper and deeper knowledge? How do you build that curriculum? Where do you get it from? What are the resources? Talk to me about training.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Um, with your assessment of the marketplace um, being largely focused on installations. Of course, you know, 10 years ago when there was a lot of money pumped into training, that's what everyone was worried about. We didn't have a lot of systems on the ground. We were putting them in. Um, So would agree with you there. I think standards and standardized curriculum have a role. And definitely my colleagues with the community colleges and other training organizations who have been engaged in clean energy training for decade plus um are calling for more unified standardized whatever you want to you know for the stuff that is shared across sites and um companies and is not specific to like a certain type of panel or storage system or inverter or whatever it is we are calling for more of that so individual companies and individual training providers are not having to shell out the significant um, good training is is quite costly. Um, IREC knows this because we produce really good training um, and it takes a lot of bandwidth. It takes a lot of resources and it takes a lot of subject matter experts to do it right. Um, so we're talking about a defensible instructional design process that isn't just SMEs sitting in a room like, OK, here's everything I know um, so. Good trainings expensive. Individual companies should not have to develop the core curricula. However, however, the huge role individual companies play is with you said the magic word, the OJT, the hands on training, the opportunities to practice before it's someone's system or someone's job that's on the line. Right. So we are looking to the employers to really ramp up in your ability to have those experiences for new people where you're spending time on someone that's not gonna be productive day one, whether it be an internship, a fellowship with an, uh, a group like Solar Ready Vets, apprenticeship, dare we, dare we dream. To me, that's the Cadillac. That's a, that's a much longer transaction, um, but we need employer sponsors for things of that sort. Um, so I really see the role of companies like Origis and others to really look at what you can do to take people with like kind of a basic standard skill set, whether it be clean energy or not, it could be electrical, it could be building technologies, who knows, and what is it gonna take to get the hands-on specific training that's gonna help them be successful on your job site? And there's folks that can help you with that. Uh, Designing on the job training experiences is difficult um, and, and there should be professionals involved. Um, but you folks have folks like community colleges, um these nonprofits we've been talking about uh, during the podcast, and other training providers that can help you with that, um and you know, make sure that the experience on the job is preparing them to operate independently going forward.
0: Yeah. So you know we've reached out to junior colleges and and universities and and training organizations. And oftentimes, Uh, to put it politely, the academic timeline and the operational timelines Mm -hmm. and environments don't line up, right? It's one thing to train people in an academic environment. It's another thing entirely to say, I've got to bring in 25 people in the next six months, and I've got to get them all baseline trained to some different levels, and it has to be done now. And I have a blank sheet of paper and no idea how to go about it. So Mm -hmm. starting with that blank sheet of paper, what do we do?
1: So you will need to give yourself some time. I agree that the academic mindset is not agile um, enough. So when I I, definitely there's colleges out there you can partner with that will work more um, in a more agile fashion. But um, community colleges, junior colleges, part of their mission is professional development, workforce development. Um, There are those just as there's companies that are good at installing energy storage and PV and there's companies who aren't as good. There's colleges that are great at partnering with employers such as yourselves and understand the pressures and timelines. There's community colleges who aren't as good. There's community colleges who are already um, functioning with a standard curriculum. It might be installer. um, But, you know, Again, consult with either, you know, trusted advisors, folks like IREC, others, you know, who who in my operating areas is a good bet um, if I'm going to invest some time with a training provider. Um, But even for those that are really good at their jobs, it needs to be a long term relationship. Um, It's not you know, you're never going to be able to pick up the phone and have something up and running within six months. So again, it's that long game. It's prioritization, knowing where your pain points are going to be. And then, you know, saying, these are the specific things I need. How can I partner with you to make this happen? And here's the resources I can put forward. And it's not just money. Money's the least of it. There's going to be a lot of money out there. Um, But what can you bring to the table in terms of helping them to tailor the training experience so there's productive people on your job site on the tail end of it? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. So I want to flip this around just a little bit. You know, I think we've talked a lot about it from the company and industry perspective, but I'm hoping that there's actual people looking to change careers who will listen to this as well and look for it as a way to sort of chart their path. So so as they're in that tempest of life change with their eye firmly on their North Star and just trying to get there, talk to them, tell us Tell tell them how they can navigate this and what resources they have as individuals to help them figure out where they're going to be and and how to get into this industry.
1: Sure. A couple thoughts for potential job seekers. One, um, you know, and if they're already thinking about clean energy because they're watching this podcast, that that's the biggest battle fought right there. We're we're good uh, from here on in. (laughs) Um, do want to do a plug for um, IREX career maps. We have them for the solar, HVACR, and green buildings industries. And those um, have kind of a universe of jobs in those particular sectors, including solar. And not only the individual jobs, but you can actually chart like a career progression. So if I'm coming in, let's say I'm transitioning out of the military, I'm coming in with lots of Electrical operations, whatever it is, knowledge. What am I qualified to do? What kind of training do I need to get there? And once I'm really good at that thing, where can I go? What subsector? What, you know, how far can this really go? And I do want to come back to the employers for just a second, because the piece that I want to make sure that we're delivering on on the employer side, um, and you articulated this, Michael, but we've got to make sure it's true, is this promise of living wages and a prosperous and um, interesting career is really delivered on when we get the people in the door.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important that we, you know, we talk about the promise of clean energy, right? And I take it as my personal mission. That's, you know, I left the mission of the military. This is my mission now, right? This is what I come to work every day for. But for those individuals who are just coming into the industry, you know, we also have to have to deliver a mission to provide them with a future, you know, and a career path. Um, And when you're in an industry that's growing 30, 40 percent compound annual growth rate, doubling every three, you know, plus plus or minus years, there's no reason why we can't do that. And in fact, it's an imperative to our business that we must. Otherwise, we will very quickly find out that the very people that we need to grow the industry, we just can't find. So what final thoughts do you have? Again, going back to that individual, you know, short, punchy, what do they do?
1: Yeah. Um, when you said short and punchy, uh, where do they start?
0: Sorry about that.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes because unfortunately, um, the workforce system, the DOL workforce system, we're just getting to the point where clean energy is on their radar. Um, so for individuals, I would start with things like the career map. I would start, um, so the career map also includes information about,
0: Training that, that Is this, you need. This IREX career map. Do you have a career yeah. map? Okay. Yep. Yeah.
1: And um, I can send you guys all those these URLs to share with your listeners. Um, so that has actually a lot of information. It tells you you know what kind of training you need. Um, you can certainly search online for uh, folks in your area that provide that training. Um, IREC does have a directory of accredited clean energy training providers that we have vetted for quality. That's a place I would look, but unfortunately it's a big country. There's not going to be a program in there for everyone. Um, So certainly happy to have um, folks who are concerned about the quality of training programs directly reach out to IREC. That is an area in which we operate. Um, We hear from job seekers and learners all the time. Like, you know, if I sign up for this, is this going to happen? Um, but in terms of someone who wants to do something beyond solar installation and some of the other jobs that are in IREX career maps, you know, you and I have talked a lot about the operations piece. Um, you know, I'm going to put that back on you for some thoughts about where they could get started with that. Um, certainly NAPSEP, the North American Board of Certified Energy Practitioners Mm -hmm. is another resource I would call out for job seekers. They are the, uh, predominant credentialing body for individuals. They, um, they issue clean energy or solar certifications. They do have some work in the ONM area, um, but it's just getting started. So definitely, um, you know, want to hear from Orgis and other companies about what the needs are and how we can get people on a track to an operational or or other solar career.
0: Yeah, and thank you for that. And I would encourage anyone looking or organizations looking, if you're with the IBEW, you want to talk if you're if you're with uh, you know if if you're a uh, a person and you've been just an electrical worker either in the military or a technician, um, you know air conditioning and heat is another area where we have technicians that in the past that didn't roll over that didn't connect. But now with storage, that's a critical component of storage because you have to keep those units cold or or warm depending on the type of year and where they're located. And so suddenly there's this whole new area where people can come into this industry. And so I would encourage them, you know, do a little research, spend a little time Googling, reach out, you know, look at NABCEP, look at the department of labor, reach out to IRAC, you know, talk to companies like Orgis that are in the area where you want to work, where you want to be and have facilities there and, and connect to them and say, Hey, I want to be there. What do you have and, and what can I do? Right. And and I think we will we will always respond and welcome that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thanks, Michael. So you can find me on IREC's website, which is IRECUSA.org. Um, so some of the resources we have on that website, aside from myself and my team, um, <laughs> and we're happy to speak with you. Um, we do have in our um You can connect from our website, but also at cleanenergytraining.org. We have training specifically for code officials and firefighters. So if any of you are from organizations either working with those populations, or if you're in a municipality where the code officials do not have clean energy competencies, which is still many, 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 Many. um, do have um, some very good interactive video-based and um, interactive training for those folks. I already mentioned um, if you're a learner or a worker concerned about the quality of training that you might take, you can also reach out to IREC for that. We are the sole clean energy training provider credentialing body um, in the world, last I knew, but certainly in the U.S. And we um, also provide uh, technical assistance for training providers and employees on everything from curriculum development to how to set up a hands-on training lab and, and beyond. Um, I already mentioned our career maps and also um, the solar foundation, which is now part of IREC are the folks that conduct the solar job census. So if you're looking at more kind of um, countrywide or state by state data on uh, what's going on with solar jobs and some thoughts about the future, you want to visit the solar job census.
0: Perfect. Well, Laura I can tell you, you know, you and I are not done talking just mm-hmm. uh, has a ton of needs in this area, and I can tell you, we'll, you know, I'll be reaching out to you and we'll be talking more mm-hmm. as we develop, further develop our own training programs. And I encourage everyone else to find an organization like IREC or reach out to IREC to help bring in the right people, the right training to make sure that we are all working together to deliver, you know, on all the promises that have been made and, and the hopes that are around renewable power, Right. This is a great place to work. This is a great place to build a career at some place where you can do something with real meaning. And I encourage anybody listening to this to either reach out and help people to come into this community, or, or if you're looking to come into the community, reach out to those resources and come in, and I think you will find a great career. So, Lord Jean, thank you for your time today. I very much appreciate everything you've, had to, you've brought to us and your expertise, uh, the introduction to IREC. And I look forward to working with you again in the very near future.
1: Same here, Michael, and um, thanks again for the opportunity. Um, would really love to hear from your listeners if there's questions or further thoughts. Thanks a bunch.
0: Thank you. Find summary thoughts on this topic and more insights in operating your clean energy assets at orgiservices.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Power Players by Origus. Critical thinking to deliver the clean energy promise.